Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us for another episode of Code Concepts with myself, Rachel Patterson, and Mr. Pete Roquet. So today is Friday, February 11th, 2022. Can't believe we're already here, Pete. We've had quite a few episodes uh, thus far this year that have been just fantastic. Wouldn't you agree? I would agree. Uh, we have another guest today. It's going to be just as equally as fantastic. Yeah. So as always, we hope you had a wonderful week and thank you for joining us on this Friday, everybody in the chat. And then, of course, our lovely guest, Mr. Steve Carmen. Uh, Mr. Carmen brings to us over 30 years of investigative uh, experience enforcement in the private investigation services. So it sounds like, Mr. Carmen, you own a company called Special Investigations Unit, SIU. So we're excited to have you on this morning. We're excited to hear about your company. We're excited to hear how that relates to the investigative process, possibly through, you know, code enforcement, law enforcement, and so on and so forth. So good morning, sir. Thanks for being on with us today. Thank you. Thank, and, you know, we always look at, uh, for guests, we always look at um, what people bring to the table. And uh, Steve has 30 years of police and he's an investigator. Uh, he is the owner of the SIU uh, resource group, like Rachel said. And he has handled all types of uh, cases from mayhem to murder. And he's handled numerous organized crime and uh, mafia uh, cases involving, uh, you know, drugs, money, uh, and a lot of undercover work. Uh, he's also a private investigator to that to ever be ever be publicly recognized by a mafia boss for his investigations and excellence. And Steve also enjoys uh, business investigations of all different sorts of types. So, uh, with that, uh, Steve, can you give us a little bit uh, back on how you got into police work and investigative? Yeah, sure, can Pete. Uh, it was sort of a uh, funny route. I came out of college, looked for a job, right? Like most graduates. I was offered a job in uh, insurance, which I thought, well, that doesn't really match up to what I know. But, you know, you need a check, you take a job. So I started in that. And, you know, of course, insurance has a lot of fraud, just ripe with fraud, right? I always found that interesting as to study the people. Maybe I could find a fact or pattern to use on the next case. Just sort of uh, an interesting thing. So I was on there for a while, and uh, there was an opening at the uh, sheriff's department. I thought, well, that's interesting. You know, I don't know if I'd be that good, but you know, maybe I could give it a try. But I like the insurance job, and of course, I like the check there too. I'll be very honest. So <laughs> these folks said, "Hey, you know what? Why don't you go over and do that?" And I said, "Well, how could I work here?" They said, "Well, you know, we could make some arrangements if you'll do insurance fraud for us." I thought, well, you know, I was a young guy, two jobs, you know, I don't care, right? So I took that opportunity, went to the sheriff's department and worked two jobs. Pete, it was one, really one of the greatest uh, decisions I had ever made. You know, I learned so much about people. So much I thought about people was wrong, right? You take them at face value. Um, it just was a real eye-opening experience. It really, everything sort of uh, launched from there. Sure did. So, you know, go, going from, and don't kind of short sell getting into PD, getting into the police department's hard work. It's not, you know, just don't walk off the streets, you know, and say, hey, I want to be a police officer and you're a police officer. Uh, but uh, there's there's um, one of the things that you said you, you uh, you know, you were wrong about people. What, what is the one thing that you, th that you realize you were wrong about people? 
because as code enforcement officers, we we tend to um, we tend to knock on a door and we see a face and we're like, oh, this guy's not going to comply, and then the guy complies. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's uh, very funny you you would say that, Pete. Uh, a lot of times people take or make uh, decisions based on past experiences. Um, I've shared with you, I think in, in private, maybe my beginning wasn't that great, right, where I grew up at. So a lot of those folks had certain ideas, used certain words, had certain uh, attitudes. So, you know, I sort of assume that uh, that always carries over. And, of course, I, I was wrong, Pete. You know, I, I learned a lot. Uh, so I do take people at face value, but if someone's, you know, compliant, they are compliant. But if they lie, of course, you know, I take them at, at that value too. Now, when you do conduct these investigations and you meet people and like they, you, you, they lie to you, you know, um, do you, do you see that as a defense mechanism or do you see as a way for them to just overtly just kind of cover their tracks? Yeah, it's really funny about a lie, Pete. I've uh, taught this in some classes. People lie for different reasons. You know, one, they don't want to be caught doing something wrong, which happens, you know, all the time. Sometimes they lie about something that's close to your subject matter, but they don't want to be found out. Maybe it's a husband seeing he was at a certain location. You know, you think it's because of the case. Maybe he was seeing a uh, girlfriend on the side. Has nothing to do with the case, but certainly is a lie that's close to the case. Sometimes people lie just a lie, sort of in their mindset. So you sort of have to you know, realize, you know, why they're lying. And there's you know, different uh, questions you know you can ask. Certainly chatting for a while. Certainly doing your homework up front, knowing your subject is crucial. Yeah, I see how that relates with code enforcement. You know, like Pete and I were talking about before you got on that, you know, everything that we do is investigative, you know, whether we're trying to understand why this person is in the violate or in violation that they are. Um, ultimately, we're, you know, we're doing the same thing, trying to find out a reason so that we can create a solution, right? Absolutely. Great point. And one of the, one of the things now, when when you um, in PD in the sheriff's department, what are uh, were you always doing investigations, or were you patrol, or how did you get more into the whole investigative? Because you, I mean, you obviously handled some pretty major cases. I mean, for being recognized by mafia boss, saying, "Hey, this guy does good work." Uh, there's some merit to him, but when, uh, you know. <laughs> so, so I, what was your pathway in the uh, sheriff's department? You know, when I first started, Pete, I was so eager to learn from anybody that, that would teach me that, uh, you know, I had no problem being humble. If you knew more than me, you know, I want to hang out with you and learn, right? So I, I started on the street and I volunteered for different neighborhoods, different uh, areas that, you know, I didn't grow up in, right? You'd ask the volunteer at the jail. You learn a lot at the jail. But believe me, some things you don't want to learn. Not the volunteered at the uh, mental health hospital, the uh, criminal unit also. There was a way I went to the courts. I went to see people in different uh, stress factors, maybe to see how they would re would react, you know, how they would lie. You know, everything I wanted to, to learn, Pete, you know, there really wasn't anything that I wouldn't go and study. That's that's awesome. And here, here's another point when it comes to, you know, when because as far as uh, code enforcement goes, we 
interact with the public all day long and we have to interact and you know um there's a level of emotional intelligence that we have to employ out there you know because i, I i'm a big proponent like hey you know somebody may just having a bad day and you know like you said the different stress factors are out there um you know also understanding you worked in different parts of town understanding that there's a a cultural difference uh, i'm not saying like uh, you know like uh, nationality wise but like the way uh, people live like for example in a gang neighborhood people act differently than they do in an affluent neighborhood or uh, a mobile home park or you know or they act differently so your 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 approach sometimes needs to change and you know we have to understand and be cognizant that we can't treat you know we always say we have to treat everybody the same but we do in a in a manner where it's um, where that emotional intelligence has to kick off because you know with some folks you just can't start accusing them of of something just because they didn't know what they were doing. Yeah, that's actually a very good point. I've taught that in uh, classes to new officers also. You know, there's two mindsets I think with the law enforcement, maybe code enforcement. One is what you call a you know, wrestler mentality. You know, the guy's going to yell, I'll yell back. We will, you know, get sort of nasty. This is, it really is what I call a chess player mentality, Pete. You know, by, by trade, I am a chess player. You know, I don't like to yell. I don't like to, you know, be all nasty with people. I really don't like it when they're like that with me either. That surprised people when they say that, but it's true. So what I do is I try and size up who I'm talking to, you know, on a potentially negative situation. One thing I see a whole lot, if you were with me out, is, you know, if I was talking to a subject that I thought could be negative, hey, look, it's obvious, you know, you're a very nice guy, right? It's obvious, you know, I see you, you know, you're a very classy guy. I don't want to bother you, you know, but I need to look at this. You know, Pete, no one ever says, I'm not a nice guy. They never argue with, I'm not a classy guy. They always say, well, sure, sure I am, sure I am. So they're right there, <laughs> they're starting to agree with you. Yeah. And, and it goes to, like, you know, Rachel's, a, a, you know, she, she's big on customer service. And, you know, because we do have to understand that, you know, when we talk to these individuals, you know, we don't want to set somebody off. I mean, because people have different trigger points, especially in code enforcement, when you're visiting somebody or you're, you know, trying to uh, get gather more intel or information, you know, and it's it's always important to have that, you know, one, one of the things that it's funny because I have a, a five-year-old, he calls everybody boss or chief. Hey, chief, you know, and, and I know he learned that from me because, you know, right giving off when, when I speak to people, I give them that level of respect you know people say you know you have to earn respect which is you know true but at the same time when you come out and give people that respect right off the bat that you're there on their property working with them it's it's uh, it's um you know for me it's, it's such a uh, show of respect to them and you know that we're visiting them and i think you know when when conducting even investigations or interviews with people you have to show them that so they can give you they'll respect you enough to trust you to give you information yeah, that's really a great point, Pete. Um, you know, if you're respectful, that's normally what I get, you know, in return. Yeah, there are some exceptions, right? Some people, you know, just want to fight, you know, just to fight. But that's really pretty unusual. Um, and I got to tell you, with the same mindset, too, Pete, I use in all those investigations. Um, 
You know, I think I maybe touched on it earlier, but I have, I have had some some very big cases. You know, I have studied for criminals that have done things in the past. You know, I get them to talk to me after the crime's committed, when they're in jail, so I can study from that. Why, Pete? Because, you know, I try and be a genuinely nice guy, right? And they talk to me, Pete, and I, then I, I keep learning more and more and more. Yeah, I got to tell you, it's a, really a valuable tool. It sure is. You know, you, you say two really important points to me. Like Pete said, I'm all about customer service and connecting with individuals. Um, I like how you said you go into it. You're saying, you know, like you're a good sir. or Well, I say good sir, but, you know, you're a good guy, a classy guy, because how do people argue with that? You know, I find myself when I walk up to a, you know, a female's residence, um, you know, sometimes this gets me in trouble and sometimes it doesn't. But the very first thing out of my mouth is, you know, good morning, beautiful or, you know, lovely, um, because people don't typically say, well, I'm not beautiful. I'm not lovely. Like you said, with, you know, classy as far as good. So, you know, I really do think that that's important in what you said with no matter what we're doing. Um, the other point that you brought up that um, I think is extremely important is you use the word genuine. You you truly have to be a genuinely good person to want to do these type of careers, you know, investigative, code, um, law enforcement, whatever have you, um, because ultimately you're going to get those results. As you stated, you're going to see, um, you know, the whole thing come to a resolution when you are that good guy and treating someone with respect. So those were some really great points you brought up there, sir. Thanks. You know, it really is about the resolution, too. You know, it isn't about the wrestling match or uh, there's other ways to call that, too. I won't use that here. But, uh, you know, it's all about getting to where you want the case to be. That's right. really what it's about and not an ego. You're right. One of the one of the things that comes out in code enforcement a lot is, you know, the approach um, you having the authority and. You know, this is what I always preach. We have the authority. And a lot of times, you know, there's a violation. It needs to be resolved, you know, end of case. But it's the approach on how you're, you know, coming up to somebody. Hey, I'm the city. This is what you got to do because I said so versus you. And talking to them like saying, hey, classic guy, <laughs> this is what we're doing. This is uh, this is uh, uh, maybe you didn't know. And have that dialogue and start, you know, start that dialogue up. Uh, like, for example, a lot of times we have to talk to people because we suspect that somebody may be living in, you know, in, a, in the a career uh, structure or we might uh, they might have some sort of like business activity in the back that's prohibited. And we need to get to 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 that backyard somehow. So, you know, what are some techniques you would say, you know, when to I wouldn't say persuade, but, you know, kind of help with us to, to have that dialogue with those residents? Yeah, what I like to do is, uh, maybe it sounds too sweet, but I always see something, find something to compliment. So, Pete, if I drove up to your house, I'm sure I wouldn't find a, a code violation. But if I did, I want to move toward the backyard. Obviously, I'm going to treat you nice, treat you very sincere, and say, hey, Pete, look at that. You know, maybe that 76 Camaro in your, in your driveway. Man, I love that. That's interesting. Hey, can you show that to me? So you'll take a second, you're proud, right? So now we've moved from the front to the side and moving toward the back, right? So I always have a goal there. Hey, your shrubs on the side of the floor, where I put in are really, really nice, right? So obviously you're gonna, you're gonna show that to me, right? And I don't make stuff up, I don't compliment things that are oddly, right? But I find points of 
commonality, points of respect, points that we can be positive on. And again, if I'm positive, I'm moving in the right direction. I see that's almost always what I get. That's awesome. Yeah. And, it, and it's funny because, you know, Rachel and I had that conversation, how how, how we do that, that NLP kind of, you know, t- talking to folks and saying, hey, this is what we have in common. And this is why you should, you know, it, it's a great techniques, you know. So um, one of the things that we also wanted to touch base on today was, um, you know, in, in our code enforcement uh, departments. And then one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on is, you know, to talk to some of the investigative, uh, you know, duties that we may have sometimes you know we we as code enforcement we we may have to do stakeouts and code enforcement generally isn't used to doing things like that you know so um i I remember we had a we had a like i mean you spoke about it we had a cockfighting operation that we were like hey when are they doing it you know to what extent uh, how many people you know these are things especially you know with cockfighting rings they could be cartel or mafia related and you know we have to gather intel so how do you know a lot of times the police department is like, well, that's more of a zoning issue, you know, unless we know it's a cartel issue, then it's really not. So anyways, um, what are some investigative techniques that you think uh, code enforcement officers should employ when first, you know, getting into the whole investigative realm? Yeah, hey, Peter, I think we have an audio issue. I can sort of hear it, but not that good. Heard the point about the uh, cartels. Yeah. Sorry about that. It was a it was a comment that one of our guys uh, uh, put out there, and, and, and that was from Joseph Liff. So we do have uh, some folks, and he likes. I like the approach. Each case with a curiosity about the conditions or the way they are, and trying to get the citizens to share that story with me. It helps better determine the best response. Yeah, it's really all about the approach, Pete. Again, I'm uh, I'll be sincere. You know, I don't make stuff up. I'm not going to start lying to somebody. I'm there to do a job, to do a business. But uh, I, I can tell you, you know, I get these guys to talk to me. Some have you know, committed heavy, heavy crimes, speed, and they'll sit in a room and talk to me for hours without an attorney because, you know, I'm straightforward, right? You know, and sometimes I just say, and this is an approach that some people die from. Sometimes I just say, hey, look, you know, this is why we're looking at this. You know, this is a bind. This is a problem. You know, here's some ways to, you know, you can get out of this much quicker to help yourself. Pete, you know, I'm not their attorney. I'm really not their brother, right? But I tell them, hey, look, if you did this, this, and this, you know, this problem is resolved in like a day. If you did this, this, and this, solved in like two days. Sometimes it's a matter of just pointing out like obvious options. Yeah, so so giving somebody like a solution, like saying, "Hey, uh, this is the way this is going to go down," and just being straight up forward is what you're basically telling me. So, uh, so let's say for example, code enforcement case, we're like, "Hey, you're not doing this. Um, we're we're this is the repercussions of you not doing it. I don't want to go that route, but this is what's going on." Is is that basically an approach that you take? Yeah, I'm sorry, Pete. I think we're losing some some audio again. I apologize. I'm trying to make sure it's not on my end, maybe. No, it's it's good. We can hear you. Yeah, we can hear you. 
And I know you're traveling right now, so I know you're always out and about doing, you know, different uh, different uh, jobs and stuff. So we really appreciate your time. And, you know, sometimes the audio does cut, cut in and out. And, yeah, I, I apologize for that. No, no problem, Pete. Uh, you do a great job. I can tell you the uh, code enforcement officers I've ever worked on have always done really a great job. They've turned some very, very big cases from uh, drug houses uh, to uh, child abuse cases by keeping their eyes open, uh, talking to law enforcement and investigators. And I got to tell you, I mean, they're really valued so much. Uh, sometimes not thought of as the first law enforcement partner. But I got to tell you that they are. They are the ultimate front line and uh, very much appreciated. They are. So, Mr. Carmen, you say you have worked with uh, code enforcement officers. Can you share some of the type of cases? You mentioned a few of them in the beginning of your statement, but uh, can you share with us, you know, some of those uh, interesting cases that you have dealt with, with possibly working with a code enforcement officer? Yeah, I sure can. I've had uh, probably the most interesting was a, a case in Alaska, right? And a kid had uh, overdosed and it was really sad. He did not die. He recovered. So I can go ahead and tell you the end of the story. But uh, we were obviously trying to track down where he got the uh, tainted drugs from. So he sort of knew, but he couldn't remember. He was high. It was, you know, a neighborhood where a lot of the homes, you know, looked uh, the same, right? So, I, you know, I was thinking of a way to try and track that down. No one was cooperating. And uh, so eventually what happens up there, a lot of those grow houses, I'm sure you've seen it too. Especially in Alaska, there's what they call ice damming on the outside from, from the water. And uh, so eventually I talked to a code enforcement officer. We put our heads together. He actually came up with it with that idea. That was not my idea. So I credit code enforcement 100%. He said, hey, let me look for those. I'll find you a lead and I think we can get this. He did in about two weeks. He found some ice forming on the outside. People were pumping in some extra water because of the heat, and that's what broke that case. I mean, it really was huge. That was solved by code enforcement. It really was not solved by me. That's pretty cool, sir. <laughs> that's awesome. And, and, you know, code enforcement, like you said, a lot of times they're not regarded as being, uh, you know, uh, law enforcement. But, you know, we do assist. Uh, you know, me personally, I've worked on some cases with Homeland Security, with the FBI, with our local law enforcement. And I can tell you that we made a big difference in their cases. And, you know, it's and because we're out there, we know our neighborhoods. We see what we see. You know, so th this is one one of the important things that um, we really get to help law enforcement solve their cases. I mean, th you know, there's times where we're doing, um, uh, you know, some like you said, with the uh, child welfare cases, we knock on the door like three year old answers the door. Mom's high on the couch. You know, we have to turn it over to child protective services because the kid, uh, there's possible danger of a kid being hurt or, you know, parents you know, overdosing or something like that. So we do see these things. And, you know, in, in the case in, with Alaska, you know, and it's funny because I've actually met Alaskan code enforcement officers, which is <laughs> same thing with Hawaii. It's like, you know, you don't really think about code enforcement in Alaska, but there is code enforcement in Alaska. So, yeah. Um, 
Yeah. Different set of eyes. That's what I was going to say. It's a different set of eyes. You know, um, I was talking to you last week, Pete, and you were on a boat and they were doing inspections for code enforcement, um, you know, for something out in the bay. And I just thought it was the coolest thing ever. You know, code enforcement officers do have a very extensive set of skills where they're an extra set of eyes for pretty much everything out there. So that's cool that they were able to help in this situation. Yeah, I've found uh, code enforcement to always be partners. And uh, I like what I call the inclusion method. I mean, we're all working toward a goal. You have a better uh, society, certainly a better city. And, uh, you know, I was asking for help and they've asked me for help. And it's just been a great partnership. It really has. You know, and I think, you know, going out to um, different code enforcement divisions, out there listening to this show, it's important to have some investigative skills. There's people out there that teach these investigative skills, like uh, Mr. Carmen here. So one one of the um, one of the tools that we we have some some code enforcement divisions um, do stakeouts or do uh, investigative like work, like real good like lengthy work. So let's say somebody wanted to start an uh, like a investigative. Um, uh, Project. What what would be some of the first things? I think we're uh, losing the audio again. I'm trying to adjust on this end, but not sure what we're uh, what's happening. I apologize. Trying. No worries at all, sir. So, um, just to repeat the um, the question is: so, what are some methods that you would uh, tell a code enforcement uh, a code enforcement team to when they're starting an investigation? What are some considerations they should have? Yeah, I did catch the last part of that. Uh, consideration to have on starting the investigation. Look, you know, I want to know, you know, who's in the house, what's going on. You know, the usual technique is if you run a uh, police check, maybe on who you're going to deal with. So if you're going to deal with a guy named Charlie Smith, right, does he have a record? That makes perfect sense to I would agree with that. But we know that how's, you know, how's a lot more than one person, right? It could be a son that's dangerous or has issues, maybe a wife that has some sort of anti-government feeling, right? One thing that's often left out, too, is not just the criminal record. You know, I was at the uh, police department, I checked myself to see what the police run history is to the house. Because sometimes the run history does not reflect the arrest history or the, or the report history, right? There can be arguments, there could be a lot of fighting, sort of indicative of, you know, personality, personality traits. So if the police show up a lot to sort of uh, diffuse but not arrest, means that these people are like maybe a higher strung, I guess, lack of a better term. So I check that too. I certainly check for, you know, I go run on the, the uh, internet, right? And see, you know, if it's Charlie Smith of Elm Street, you know, did this, he come up for anything, right? Is he, sometimes you'll find them in some sort of odd group, odd behavior, a hate group. You know, I usually find those uh, fairly quickly, Pete. And, you know, it's always sort of scary, you know, what what's out there on folks, too. So, you know, I want to know everything. I think it's always important. And one of one of the things about Steve here is he in his multiple what do you call it credentials he does skip tracing so I mean this guy can probably find anything about everybody so you know so no so it's good good techniques to 
to say. So let's say for a code enforcement officer, so we're not law enforcement. Let's say we do encounter somebody that may have a history and we're, what would you say? How do we coordinate with our local uh, law enforcement and say, hey, this is what I found out. How does one approach uh, our law enforcement to do this? I'm sorry, Pete, I didn't hear that. I'm uh, still having some, some audio issues, I apologize. No, so the question was, let's say as uh, code enforcement officers, we do encounter some of the, um, some history of, uh, you know, some potential criminal activity. How does a code enforcement officer approach their local law enforcement and say, hey, this is what I'm concerned about? Yeah, I think if I see a like type of history, some of the things that I would do, look, if I see a problem uh, coming up or, you know, I think uh, it could be an issue or a false complaint against me, you know, people do that too. I go on record with somebody, right? It doesn't have to be, uh, you know, the mayor or the, the police chief. They go on record say, hey, look, I see this, this, and this. I'll be at this address here right then. So six months down the road, if you're accused of, I don't know, some bad act or, you know, saying a false word, you know, you're on the record with some concern up front. Uh, the the officers, you, you know, if there's a problem, I've always had them go to the door with me. But certainly if it's busier, I get that. But, you know, I've never had an instance where I couldn't get an officer to at least pull his car up in the street in front of the house. You know, when people see witnesses, Pete, they sort of act differently, right? Um, because someone else is there, right? And it's always found that really uh, crucial also. Um, I take photos when I'm there. I do it nicely. Um, but I always go ahead and document what, what I have. And, you know, another thing is, too, I make notes as soon as I leave there, right? I don't wait. Yeah, I've been to court on some of these before where... Like it, it was like a litigation, a complaint, and then the question comes up: Hey, when was this re, uh, report written? Uh, that afternoon, at the end of the day, at like four thirty before I left, right? So you saw the house then at ten thirty that that morning. So you wait six hours. You couldn't have forgotten anything like a detail in six hours, Pete. That's actually a very fair question. So when I get to the car, I make those field notes immediately. You sure do. That's awesome. That's a that's a good strategy, um, you know. So, and some of us, um, some of us in code enforcement, we we jump from inspection to inspection and wait till the end of the day. So, just uh, jotting down a few cliff notes, it's always uh, recommended. Um, one of the things that uh, you know, I train my staff because in code enforcement, a lot of us just deal with property maintenance issues. So, you know, I say, hey, you know what, uh, you don't have to write me a Stephen King novel, just uh, jot down a few sentences and what it is that you're writing, you know, that key points of what you observed. And that's always for me, that's always valuable because we could always go back and uh, fix, uh, you know, make uh, grammatical corrections, uh, add to the report based on what we're seeing in our photographs, things like that. But yes, I would say I would agree with you writing some cliff notes or writing something right off the bat that's relevant. It's very important. Well, thank you for that tip. So another another question would be, um, you know, when we're when we're doing uh, like a like a stakeout, like what what is something that you would recommend uh, when we're beginning like a, a type of stakeout investigation uh, for code enforcement? We might have a use issue, like a land use issue, where you know we say, hey. Uh, 
for example, let's say um, a bar that's now morphing into a nightclub or even a strip club, and we have to gather that type of intel um, because it's really more of a zoning issue. How do you? How would you suggest that somebody start uh, some sort of uh, investigative, uh, you know, stakeout? Yeah, you know, I always do those uh, low prof, uh, low profile, and uh, low key. Look, I've got a trunk full of uh, uh, clothes. I can be anything at any time, right? You've seen me. I'm just sort of an average, uh, goofy-looking guy, right? <laughs> but I can be a road worker. I can be a cable guy. I could be anything I want to be. Now, maybe your jurisdiction would or would not allow that. I'm not sure that's be up to the uh, supervisors there. But I can say this, so Pete, I'm definitely flexible. Um you know what? I, I keep a very low profile. People see, generally see me, but they don't remember what I said. Um, I'm not going to use any uh, words that, that would be an, in, like unusual. I don't make a scene. Try and be wallpaper, Pete. That's the greatest thing on a surveillance. You can be two hours later, like me, right? They go, hey, was there somebody there? Most people would say, ah. I think it was. It may be like a red-haired guy, but I'm not sure what he looked like, right? Didn't say anything. He was sort of there, right? That's what I want, Pete, wallpaper. That's awesome, man. That's that's awesome. And that's a very good tip. Because I remember, I, I've done my share of uh, undercover, not undercover, but I go in there as a plainclothes person and just see what it's about. And I've done that before. And in the city of Garden Grove, we had uh, what they called a Vietnamese cafe, uh, cafes where we were seeing if they were selling alcohol where they weren't supposed to. And we sat in there and, you know, we did our thing. And yeah, but we were, I was always pegged right off the bat. I don't know why, but and maybe because I'm not Vietnamese. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so, but anyways, um, uh, you, you have a point, yeah. Just be quiet, be very nonchalant. That's that's a very good tip. You know, a lot of us uh, code enforcement folks were really loud and alpha people, and it's really hard for us. But I I, I would see how uh, that would make sense. Yeah, it, it really does. It does work well, Pete. I got to tell you, I use that in just about everything, um, especially if it's a really like a high risk situation me speaking a lower volume, right? So I'm never going to be that guy that is seen as aggressive because, you know, when you're looking for surveillance, you're looking for an investigator, you know, the first thing you look for is a, what you think is a policeman, maybe a guy with like a buzz cut and a big neck, all muscled up, right? I'm not that guy, right? So I'm going to be the guy that, well, I guess he was there, you know? And people <laughs> sort of think back and they just can't remember so you really, Pete. The less they can remember, the, the better. Works out well. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I, I do know some code enforcement officers that want to say, you know, as soon as they finish their investigation, like, "Ha, ah, I got you!" Instead of going right into a report and doing something formally down the road. Yeah. Now, so, so now, can you tell us a little bit about your um, your consulting group? You know, what what kind of things? How did you get into that? What made you make that leap? Because some of us go from government sector to private sector. So how was that leap for you? Yeah, well, it was, Pete, and I appreciate you asking that. That was a big uh, jump for me. I wasn't sure I could do it. Um, I thought I could, but uh, 
I've always used this uh, tool chest, right? And I would uh, definitely encourage others to do the same. I've always studied criminal, criminal acts, interviewed them after the fact. Um, so I've learned more and more and more. And uh, what I found, though, was that, um, you know, if you're good and you're really sincere, you know, you will have customers and clients. People want to know. People want to uh, learn things. And with the uh, the mafia and the organized crime cases, Pete, that was never my goal. I mean, you can tell by looking at me, I'm not that top, right? <laughs> um, but so uh, I get a lot of questions with, with that. You know, how did you uh, deal with them? What was the interaction? So I just tell you, normally in that lifestyle, and this is no secret, it's all out there. You know, I have people that are muscle, some people that are earners, right? My interaction with them has been as an earner under when it was like an undercover operation. So, you know, I was the guy that would earn money. Um, generally what I do is I earn money, but I have a problem that needs fixed. Conveniently, that problem, Pete, is something that they can fix. So they see themselves as coming in on my deal. That's how I've interacted with them. Um, and I really didn't have much of a problem with that. I've done it six times. Uh, once was a collateral case where I was near someone, you know, near, uh, near someone that was near someone they were looking at. The other five were direct cases. So those were people they were uh, directly gunning for. They wanted a, a, like a wire feed on. You know, those are much more uh, dramatic, high-strung cases. Um, but generally, you know, I've never had a problem with that, uh, doing the right thing. I've always uh, believed in that. Uh, it's harder with time, though, Pete. You know, my face is out there. I'm on the Internet now. They have given some uh, presentations. So my wife is encouraging me maybe to uh, back off some of that. So I have to think about that. I'd be like, hey, I saw you on the internet. Now you're selling me this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's pretty funny. And I also see you're the uh, VP of the Homeland Security Foundation. Can you tell us a little bit about the Homeland Security Foundation? Yeah. Yeah, thanks for asking. But that's a great organization, really. And it's a not-for-profit organization. It has a public face and a private face, right? Just by, you know, by definition of what it is. So some of the public things we would do would be to give a cyber, uh, like cybersecurity safety training free, uh, domestic violence uh, prevention uh, training free. Those are all out there, Pete, and those are like really great things. We do those in all communities. There is no no limitations. Uh, we purposely uh, seek out uh, you know different cities, you know different types of folks. You know that's all out there, right? for the good of the country. You know, the private face would be more of a private request from a maybe like an entity or somebody to help with something. You know, we're all about just furthering the uh, country, you know, all the country though, Pete. That's just one segment. You know, we all live here and we all need a, a better place to live in. No, oh, no, I definitely agree. I definitely agree. And, you know, we love having people on this show that have something to offer, you know, one of the things that kind of, you know, when I talked to you, we talked about like how there's a nexus between, you know, um, home, you know, the home, the way the home is versus the criminal uh, value. You know, there's a there's a nexus there. And, you know, code enforcement sometimes is that first, uh, you know, I wouldn't say first response, but first set of eyes, you know, to bring something to attention. 
Right. Yeah, you know, that's actually a very good point. I'm a big believer in the uh, broken window theory, I guess, what they used to call it. Maybe it has a different name now. But if you have a house, Pete, I'll just take my house. If I allow a broken window to go, next time maybe I'm not mowing the lawn, then I have uh, bags of trash in the back, and I begin to uh, accept things as, like as is, right? Accept a lower standard of living. Maybe my friends be, become lower. You know, I think it's important. You know, we all have to have some accountability, you know, especially to ourselves, especially to our neighbors and our fellow citizens. It's very important. You know, it's interesting that you say that. Um, so in code enforcement, we sometimes have that one problem house in a neighborhood. And, you know, the neighbors get sick of it, so they move out. And people that, you know, either can't afford or sometimes they don't care that that house is there, they'll buy it next door. And then it, it just kind of like you said, it dominoes. You know, you have a lot of people leaving that neighborhood because they no longer enjoy it because of that one house. And, you know, it starts bringing a different element and it starts running down. So, yes. And, you know, when you have rundown properties where people don't care, uh, you know, you have individuals that, you know, don't care and, you know, they start, you know, doing, you know, they, they start, you know, running a mechanic shop out of their garage or, you know, start, you know, a bootleg uh, a store out of their, their, store, their home. And, you know, you just get this element of, you know, the neighborhood goes to a different place than it, it would. And, you know, yesterday I, I went for a walk and I, in my old neighborhood that I used to work in, and we had a problem hoarder house. And every, everybody around them moved and we had a bunch of people that moved in and the neighborhood basically kind of went a little bit downhill. Well, we ended up cleaning that house and I was walking by and I don't know why I remember that house, but it is now the best looking house because we, we did uh, some crazy enforcement. The person lost their home and because of the cleanup, but now the neighborhood went back to what it was before, which is, which is amazing. Uh, you know, it, it, it code enforcement works. Um, you know, and in, in, in that particular case, you know, um, when it comes to investigations and here's something that, you know, um, that I want to touch upon, you know, when you're dealing with some folks, um, they tend to find you. So what's something that, that you would recommend for somebody to protect their identity? You know, uh, you as an investigator, how, how does one protect themselves uh, when, you know, when dealing with some of these, uh, you know, problem individuals? Um, the reason I say that is that problem individual came to city hall with a hammer one time and he was looking for my boss, but we don't know why he had that hammer. And I'm like, Oh, he's not here. So he got mad and left. But <laughs> I mean, I, you know, even if my boss was there, I wouldn't say, Hey, let me get him out. <laughs> you know, but uh, what would you say somebody can do to protect themselves? Uh, for, and yeah, I think that's a great question. I've been threatened uh, probably a hundred times. Uh, probably about half of those I believe were, were real. The other half maybe were just the emotional blow off. But yeah, that's a lot of a lot of uh, threats, right? So one one some things I do is you know like um, like uh, my house here is in my wife's name. You know, and I, I've had people go, "Well, if something happened, that could, yeah, I guess that you know it could be an issue, right?" Um, so I, I do that, right? Uh, I definitely limit. Uh, where I tell people I, I live at, I don't sign up for contests, not one of those guys. Um, but I'm also very uh, protective too, like where I go, you know, if someone's uh, like around me, you know, 
who's parked next to me, who's sitting in the car. You know, is that the guy that's going to recognize me five years ago? You know, it could be Pete, right? I mean, I make a lot of people mad, right? I know that. Um, so I'm always looking at some of uh, those things. Um, the other thing, too, is, you know, I'd, if someone says, hey, look, do you want, you know, like the, the emails, what I call the, the phishing emails, right? I'm very unlikely to respond to any of that. Um, the phone calls, if I'm being checked out, you know, I'm going to check you out first before I give you anything. Um, I've always just uh, very cautious and careful. You know, you get the information about me that I, you know, that I want to give out if I don't know you. That's the uh, philosophy I have. That's awesome. That's awesome. Now, and you know, like obviously, I'm on social media a lot. You know, you see my posts. You know, I'm very, um, you know. You know, would you recommend for folks not to post too much personal information out there on social media? Yeah, you know, I do have two social media sites. I'm on Facebook and LinkedIn. Both those are for uh, business. If you and you know, you go look at those. I have no secrets on their feet. I have no pictures of my family at all. I have a wife and three kids. You'll find that nowhere. You find no mention of them. No mention of my parents. No mention of my uh, hometown, even. Uh, you might be able to figure that out with time, but uh, you know you have to work to really find me, Pete. And uh, yeah, it's meant to to be that way too. You know, um, I don't uh, join like a bowling club and put like my uh, personal information out there. I'm not not going to do that. So you know, everything on social media is is business. You know, I have a friend on the police department here. He has one Facebook site for uh, for business, right? You'll see that. But then he has a just a fake name, uh, Pete, you know? And uh, he posts all his personal stuff on there. So if you don't know that fake name, if you're, if you're like not a friend of his, you will never find him. It has nothing to do with his name. And he actually lists a fake city on the other side of the country. So, yeah, he has the same account. He just takes a few precautions. Awesome. Good advice. Good information. Good advice. So, sir, do you see yourself more in the, you know, you have this company, you provide these services. Are you in the everyday workings of, you know, making these investigations happen? Or are you starting to see yourself more on the teaching side and getting the word of what you do and the importance of it out there? Gosh, that's a really great question. I've not been asked that. Um, actually, I see it as a combination of, of things now. It's certainly more over over the years. Uh, I'd love to do investigations. I probably will always do that too, uh, to some degree. But I love to teach too, tell students about maybe where I made uh, mistakes at, right? Try to uh, help somebody get further ahead. And uh, I really enjoy the, uh, hom uh, the Homeland Security Foundation too you know, teaching and uh, providing services. I think that makes a, a, a very big uh, difference in lives. And I think I will, I will definitely always do, do that too. Well, and the reason I say that, sir, is, you know, I, I can only appreciate, you know, you've said several times, it's what you can give the world. So, you know, just in talking with you just for these, you know, what, 45 minutes this morning, I see so much of what you can give the world and just the way that you come about it, your calmness, your demeanor. Um, I think you are able to, or at least myself, 
I'm really able to take that information in. And I think that you're a great speaker in the sense of, you know, getting this information out. So I look forward to seeing more for from the teaching side of you on this aspect. Um, just looking at your website and all of the accreditations that you have, you just have so much to give the world. So thank you. Well, thanks. I appreciate what they both of you do too. And I've had so many great mentors and teachers over the years and, uh, you know, it's just important to leave a uh, good legacy. And I, I think what the most undervalued things in this country is, you know, being a good citizen, right? You see, like a long time ago, you would get a citizenship grade or award, right? Somehow <laughs> that, that left and, you know, we're on something else now. And I would love for, for that to go back. Oh, yeah, you know, I want to be a, a good neighbor. That That's exactly what, what my goal was. Love it, and you know, so we have jurisdictions out there that actually give a, a best uh, best uh, improvement compliance uh, awards, which is which is people don't hear about that, but they do get those awards. Hey, thank you for improving your you're the most improved house in the neighborhood. They don't say that you're in violation and you complied with the code. They just said, hey, they acknowledge that you took the time and effort to to make your neighborhood better. And a lot of communities do that as a program, and I think that's that's good. Um, you know, and, and I love that, you know, that the, the, the intersections that code enforcement has with investigation, law enforcement, you know, um, recruiting. I mean, we, we have so much um, interaction with everybody. And I love that you came on today. Uh, you know, we connected on, on social media, you know, and, you know, I follow your stuff. You follow my stuff. And we're in two different sectors, but somehow we can intertwine. You know, when it comes to investigations, you do have the knowledge, you have the experience which, you know, a lot of us code enforcement officers don't, uh, you know, some of us do, uh, you know, property maintenance and some of us get into that evolution of having to do these type of investigations and having a professional like yourself uh, be able to uh, teach us or at least give us a glimpse of your world to help us kind of improve our world is, is, is uh, we thank you. We have a lot of gratitude. Yeah, just bringing it all back around and all together. You know, you said it best. I say it every single day with everything that I do is be a good neighbor. We're all in it for the same common goal. You know, whatever we do, investigation, code work, you know, hairstyles, whatever it is that we do in life, do it with respect, be genuine and be a good neighbor. So I love that you said that, sir. Yeah, no, thank you. Thank you very much. And with that, uh, we appreciate you coming on today. You know, and there's a lot more information. If you uh, go to uh, SIU resources, is, is, am I saying the, uh, is it inc.com, right? Correct. What, what is yeah. the website? Let me see. I don't, I don't have it pulled up, right? Okay. It's SIU resource group.com. That is yes. the website. I'll go ahead and put that up there. If anybody wants to look up uh, uh, Steve here and it, Steve, is it okay to share your email if anybody wants to contact you? No, or? Sure, sure. It's my email, my phone number. I'm uh, definitely all out there, Pete. And, uh, you know, if I can be of assistance to uh, anyone, you know, just, just call me. I'll certainly share any uh, mistakes I made and, any, you know, any uh, good solutions I have to. I'm always happy to help anybody. I sure am. Thank you, sir. Thanks for being on with us today. This was a great Thank show. You. Thank you. And Thank here's you. the website. There you go. Oh, oh, you don't need that little bracket at the end, but it, I did a cut and paste real quick. But yes, he has a lot of good uh, stuff on his website. Uh, check it out. 
Um, so, you know, we have uh, things from, from Mr. Joseph Aleph. Uh, thanks for the session today, Steve. So we did have a couple guests, you know, so, okay. Well, thank you everybody for tuning in and, you know, we will see you next week uh, here and everybody have a happy Valentine's Day. Uh, since I didn't wear my Valentine's Day hat, but still, okay. Valentine's Day, <laughs> Super Bowl, you name it. It's going to be a fun weekend. So. Fun weekend, yeah. Thanks for starting it out for us, sir, and you have a beautiful rest of your day. All right, thank you. Thank you. Bye.